You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. As we make our way through the book of Joshua, week by week we're, we're coming up now on another boundary list, and more cities, places we're unfamiliar with. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul uh, speaks about Israel of old, says they went through, uh, talks about these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And Lord willing, again, today we're going to look at uh, the inheritance today of the tribe of Joseph. We're going to look at that, seek to glean some instruction from it. But before we get there, before we get there, I want to set the stage for this by examining and just thinking on, just briefly thinking on our own inheritance in Christ. What we, what we already have, what we look forward to, but what we already have. Uh, uh, to take a step back and really cherish our present day inheritance in Christ. So I think you'll see the tie into this, but uh, I would invite you to turn the book of Colossians. Uh, we're not used to in the Old Testament turning the New Testament, so let's do that. Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read some verses 9 through 14 out of, out of this book to get us thinking, my desire, just get us thinking about our inheritance. We're going to look at some things this week, next week, um, in Joshua, uh, dealing with inheritance. And I just want to give us a background and kind of a framework for wh- what about our inheritance, you know, thinking about that a little bit. Uh, if you're on your way to Colossians, keep finding that Colossians 1 uh, one nine. If you find your way there, and on your way there, let's just show the picture. I got one picture from last week. I'm so excited. Harrison turned in a picture. Thank you, Harrison. So we were talking about uh, Israel being in the land, and uh, I said to have all the land in the world, the best tracts of land, the most abundant and beautiful of lands, and to not have the Lord God is to really have nothing. And so we talked about kind of the dead land and how uh, Caleb's daughter, Aksah, she wanted the land with the springs, and Caleb blessed her with the, the water, and our connection to the water and the beautiful tree growing by the streams of water. We were in Jeremiah 17 thinking about that. So I love it. I love it when older people draw me stuff. Uh, you can send this via email. You know how to use email. You can email that to me, adults, and uh, but kids. Kids, uh, maybe you got competition now, so... Uh, uh, feel free to turn your drawings, but I appreciate that. I hope Colossians here is a, is a sort of view of that fountain, of what Harrison drew, this, this by a stream of water, a remembrance of who God is. So let me read God's word uh, to us. Just, and just a little background before I do that, because I know we're jumping into a book. Paul's, Paul's telling the believers here at Colossae how he's thankful to God for them. He's thankful for their faith in Christ, their love for one another, and then he, he's telling them of, of this prayer he has for them, this, this unceasing prayer. We've not ceased to pray for you. That's going to come up. And here's what he's asking the Lord of for them. So I begin in Colossians 1.9, just through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray again for us. Father, as we heard in Sunday school, all Your Word and the progressive revelation of Your Word from where we've been in Joshua to where we're reading a bit from Colossians before we head back there. Lord, thank You for the Word we have before us. Thank You for the freedoms we enjoy to open it, to broadcast this in this room today to think on and meditate on Your Word. You've written Your revelation for us. We have it with us not just on Sundays, We have it with us all through the week in multiple ways and devices. So Lord, we thank You for it and we pray again for our time in it that You would reveal, Lord, things of You would be revealed to us as we contemplate truth, as we contemplate Your very revelation to us. So lead us by Your Spirit today, we would pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Like I said, Paul is praying here, and he's praying for a few things for this church in Colossae. He's praying for their knowledge. He's praying for their spiritual wisdom, for their understanding. He prays they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. They'd bear fruit and so on. And and then he prays that they'd be strengthened, strengthened with all power according to the might of their God for endurance and patience. So strengthened with power, not of their own pulling up bootstraps, but the might of their God for their endurance and patience. And then giving thanks to the Father who's qualified them. This is praise to God. Give thanks because He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And then verse 13 and 14, I think in a way, spell out beautifully our inheritance. What do we have? What's our inheritance? A couple things. We are... If I could bold my speech, we are delivered from the domain of darkness. In our sin, no matter what age, our hearts are darkened. We cannot see the light. We're spiritually blind to the things of God. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 talks about God who said, let light shine out of darkness, hearkening back to this creation, let light shine out, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul says here, we're delivered from that domain of darkness and we're transferred. Transferred where? What domain of dark? Where are we going? Another realm of darkness? No. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of Jesus. The deliverance has already taken place for those in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're delivered. You've been, you have been delivered. Now, we're not just looking to a kingdom coming. You've been delivered into a kingdom. You've been transferred. Another way uh, I saw it said, you've been removed from one and placed in another or transported to another kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. That's the believer's inheritance. And we are redeemed. We're, we're purchased. That last verse, 14, we have redemption purchased by the grace of God through the blood of Christ and forgiven all our sins. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a beautiful inheritance. The God of creation, this holy and righteous God, we've sung about how great is He. A God beyond our telescopes, as I think Milt was praying about. 
that this God has showered His grace on you and invited you and drawn you to His present and future kingdom. We who are in Christ, we behold the beloved Son, Jesus, in whom, in whom all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, Paul's going to say later in Colossians. This is, this is our God now. He's our Savior. This is our inheritance of what we presently have. We have been delivered. We've been transported to another kingdom. We should take great joy in this. And now as we're primed, hopefully by that, thinking in our minds of our inheritance, now we're going to head back. Now we're going to go back to Joshua. Back to the time of Israel here in the promised land. Back to Joshua uh, chapter 16 and 17. So we can turn back there. Joshua 16 and 17. And we're going to keep walking through this land with its cities and boundaries. And we're going to take from their journey and their inheritance. And, and I think think of ways, how, do we, how can we apply this even in Christ? Those that are, have an inheritance in Christ. And so we're going to read through the chapter. We'll just kind of read. I'm not going to read the whole thing, 16 and 17. We're going to read through a bit, um, stopping along the way to make some comments. I do Before I read, start in chapter 16, let's put the map up. And you don't have to dim the lights, but... It's a little bigger this, this week, a little bigger for you. And uh, this is kind of, we're going to be talking about the people of Joseph. Oh, where's my, there it is. So if, if we're reading about Ephraim, we're down here. If we're doing Manasseh, boy, we got Manasseh here and here. So here's what, thankfully, some map makers somehow figured out. It turns here and goes here, dips down there, whoop, and then it goes up and so forth. We don't have to figure that all out. We're going to read some names just Bear with the names, look at the map, or read the names, and let's see what God has for us here in His Word. Again, Joshua uh, 16. So let me read, read uh, for us here, this, just verses 1 through 4. Here it is. The allotment of the people of Joseph went from the Jordan by Jericho. Okay, hey, we're, we're kind of familiar with that. That's good. East of the waters of Jericho, into the wilderness, going up from Jericho, into the hill country to Bethel, then going from Bethel to Luz, it passes along to Adarot, the territory of the Archites. Then it goes down westward to the territory of the Japhletites, as far as the territory of lower Beth Haran, then to Gezer, and it ends at the sea. The people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim receive their inheritance. Here, again, this chapter begins with this overall picture of Joseph's territory. And verse 4 breaks out Joseph for us, breaks him out into these two, his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And when you hear that, Manasseh and Ephraim, think tribe of Joseph. Joseph, sometimes mentioned, but think of that. It's connected to Joseph. Um, probably, and I'll just admit maybe my own understanding, not well enough, it, it seems an odd boundary. We're used to, I think, was it last, yeah, last week, Judah, I mean, we were everywhere. We had the big boundary, I mean, south of here, filled out, that sort of thing. It, it seems an odd boundary. It seems like the boundary, we may not know all these places, but it seems like it's just listed this kind of, if you were to bisect the area from the south to the north, that's what it's describing, kind of just a line across. It's harder to understand. Um, yet again, 
We just admit God, he's behind this decision of the lot. And so thus begins, begins this inheritance of these, these two tribes of Joseph. And again, the line is going to take us kind of across the section. And then the different sections of 16, 5 through 10, and then I think 17, 7 through uh, 13 are going to give us a little more, oh, those cities, that boundary, that place, and that sort of thing helps us understand that. And that gives a little more detail. So I'm going to read through the allotment here then in verse 5, the territory, the boundary of those of Ephraim. This is Ephraim first. And again, we'll leave the map up here. We might struggle. Where are all these cities? But because this is all of God's word, I want to read all of God's word as we go through Joshua. Not say, well, there's some names in there. Let's just skip to the next. So let's read and hear from his word. I think we'll find things within it. So now we go 16. Take your eyes to verse 5 or to the map and you can draw it out in your mind. The territory of the people of Ephraim by their clans was as follows. The boundary of their inheritance on the east was Ararat Adar, as far as upper Bethran, and the boundary goes from there to the sea. On the north, north is Mikmatat. Then on the east, the boundary turns around toward Tanat, Shiloh, and passes along beyond it on the east to Genoa. Then it goes down from Genoa to Ararat and to Naara and touches Jericho, ending at the Jordan. From Tapua, okay, hold your place. Here, this, this one is listed. Here we, where is it? There it is. There's Tapua right there. Give us a little bearing. There it is. From Tapua, the boundary goes westward to the brook Kana and ends at the sea. Such is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Ephraim by their clans, together with the towns that were set apart for the people of Ephraim within the inheritance of the Manassites, all those towns with their villages. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in uh, Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. If you're really paying close attention, and you might be maybe close, we'll see. Uh, this boundary list begins with the people of Ephraim, which is a bit odd. If, if we're kind of thinking, Joseph had two sons, Ephraim, or Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh, the older son, Ephraim, the younger. So we should be reading about Manasseh first, and then Ephraim secondly. But it all goes back to that blessing. It's in Genesis 48 of Jacob to the sons of Joseph. And Joseph sat his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, down in front of uh, Jacob to be blessed by, basically by their grandpa, by, by their grandfather Jacob. Remember Jacob, when he blessed them, he, the, the right hand is really the hand of blessing. And instead of going to Manasseh, which I think Joseph had you know, just put placed right, right in there, his hand goes to Ephraim, and then he does this number, and he crosses over, and he switches it up. And, and Joseph says, no, you know, Dad, you got this change around. Don't switch. He's like, yeah, I know, but this is how it's going to be. And it's switched. And so here we see, I think, a result of that, Ephraim first, who was younger, and then Manasseh. Kind of see this played out here. Well, verse 10 really clues us in. I mean, we, we may not understand the cities, but we get to verse 10, and I think we understand not driving out a, a people group. 
The good news here is Canaan is doing forced labor. That means, I guess, they're under control. Here's the bad news. They continue to dwell in the land. And they have not been driven out. I think a word that just repeats is drive out, drive out. They have not been. Last week we saw at the end of Judah's uh, inheritance, we didn't look at it very much, but in verse 63 we saw it as well. The, The Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. And here again, verse 10, Joshua 16, here again, certain wicked ones, they should have been destroyed, yet they're allowed They're allowed and left to live, and they become laborers in their midst. And God had already warned Israel about this in the time of Moses. We want to look at that a little bit. So as we have often done, we we get clues and we get hints and understanding from the Pentateuch, those first five books. So go to Deuteronomy 7. We're going to go a couple places today. So Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 6, and then we'll skip and read one other verse. There's other places you can go. We'll look. Maybe at Numbers 33 uh, here as well. But Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6, Moses here, he's preparing the people to enter the promised land, and he says this to them. So here's, you know, why is this so bad? They're doing forced labor. That sounds like uh, Ephraim's got Canaan under control. He says this in Deuteronomy 7, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, And clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than yourselves. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. I mean, it's, it's not show some pity. It's take them on. This is, and it's, it's really a sign of judgment against, from God against sin. And here it is against the Canaanites. Look at the reason in verse 6, though. Just, just a bit of that. For you are. The, the for there. F-O-R. For. Why? You're a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Are you here in Colossians language? You've been delivered. You've been transported. Here, language of the Old Testament here, you're a people holy. He's chosen you. You're a possession. Don't mingle with sin, we might say. Look at verse, uh, jump down to verse 16. And you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Your eyes shall not pity them. Neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. Numbers 33, you don't have to turn there, but Numbers 33, a similar warning. I'll just read it to destroy all these inhabitants. Here's the warning. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, 
then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. And I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Here's the warning. If Israel allows their enemies to dwell in their midst, God made clear what's going to happen. We looked at Israel. They were a holy people, a chosen people to proclaim him to all who would see. These people in the land, this is the people whose wickedness has come before the Lord and he's destroying them for their sin, rightly. But the sinfulness of these people left in their midst would be like a like a barb or a snare. I, I guess I'm thinking of a snare like, don't you catch rabbits with snares that, that you come and put something kind of under the, the cage or wherever it is and you kind of try to lure them in and once they're in and taste a little bit of whatever you feed to rabbits, I don't, what, what you put in there, but they get it and it's clamped down, that snare idea. Or maybe... I know there's fishermen, better, much better, more often fishermen than I am. Aren't there barbs on your hooks? That's what makes the hook, most of the time, right, so hard to get out, the barb. The, the hook goes in one way, and there's a barb that when the hook it is in, it's to keep the hook in, right? It's to keep it from coming back out. It's a barb. It, it almost locks it in. And he's saying, these people, these people you're around that you let in your midst, they're going to be like a snare and a barb to you and get in and then a hook and you go, I want to go. And you can't. It's like a snare to you. Well, head back to Joshua. And we are going to skip a passage. We're going to read it, but we're skipping it for now. And I want head back to Joshua chapter 17. These are kind of together, uh, 16 and 17, a, a grouping here. Head to Joshua Again, we'll get back to 1 through 6. I want to skip ahead. And in the same way of Ephraim, I want to look at the people of Manasseh. We looked at Ephraim and now Manasseh. Perhaps they, they were better off. Perhaps they drove out everybody. We'll, we'll see. Let's read about them in Joshua 17, 7. Here we go again. Here's some more boundaries. The territory of Manasseh reached from Asher to Mikmethatot, I don't know, which is east of Shechem. Then the boundary goes along southward to the inhabitants of En-Tapua. The land of Tapua belonged to Manasseh, but the town of Tapua on the boundary of Manasseh belonged to the people of Ephraim. Then the boundary went down to the brook Kana. These cities to the south of the brook among the cities of Manasseh belonged to Ephraim. Then the boundary of Manasseh goes on the north side of the brook and ends at the sea. The land to the south being Ephraim's and that to the north being Manasseh's with the sea forming its boundary. On the north, Asher is reached and on the east, Issachar. Also in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had Beth Shean and its villages and uh, Yiblim and its villages and the inhabitants of Dor and its villages and the inhabitants of Endor and its villages and the inhabitants of Tanakh and its villages, and the inhabitants of Megiddo, and its villages. The third is Naphath. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Here again, same story. 
place to place, the boundaries bending here, going down there, reaching, ending there. And then again, you, you get this yet idea. Yet they did not take possession of the Canaanites. Yet the Canaanites persisted in dwelling. They did not utterly. I mean, it's a strong way. It's almost like two verbs. They did not drive out. They did not drive. They did not utterly drive them out. That's what they were supposed to. That's what we read about in Deuteronomy and in Numbers. They left a snare. They left a barb that would threaten their inheritance. They left a threat in the land. Here's this chosen people of God, a people holy to the Lord, just left a little bit of wickedness. Oh, they're forced labor, but it's going to come back to hurt them. Let's, let's look at this, um, and, and I want you to go forward in your scriptures to the book of Judges. It's just the very next book after Joshua, and we're going to see the threat turn into reality here in Judges chapter 1. I can start at 27. It's going to kind of relist things. So if you go forward to Judges uh, one twenty-seven uh, through chapter 2, is in the three a little bit. I won't read it all, but chapter chapter one of Judges, verse twenty seven. You've got Manasseh listed there. Uh, they didn't drive out the Canaanites. Verse twenty nine, Ephraim didn't drive out the Canaanites. Verse thirty, Zebulun uh, didn't drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, Nahal, and so they the Canaanites lived among them. Asher, same story, um, didn't drive out the Canaanites. Naphtali, verse thirty three, did not drive out certain inherit, uh, inhabitants. Verse 34, Amorites. You get this picture. It didn't, they didn't fully drive out. It didn't happen. So chapter 2 says this. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. They called the name of that place Bochim. You get a note there. It means weepers, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. You go on from there, Joshua uh, dies, he's listed, and then look at verse 11. Here's chapter 2 of Judges, verse 11, we're not that far from Joshua, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress and it goes on from there the cycle in judges continues the lord seem he tests israel he tests them by these nations are they going to obey me 
and yet they don't obey his commandments, and he raises up judges. One of them, Othniel, that we learned about last week, comes in chapter 3 here, verse 7. He's seen there in judges. These judges, they, seem, they serve, but every judge, they die. And you get this cycle going of the people until one will come who will live forever. Right? That's who our inheritance is based in. Thinking about our inheritance, what about us? Are we prone to dabble? Dabble, little sin, little here, little there. Just a little bit of gossip. I, yeah, it's grumbling. It's just a little bit. It's, it's, grump, it's not really. Little picture we see, little picture on our computer, wherever it is. I can, I can look at that. It's okay. It's just a little bit. A little time spent doing this, squandered. A little, little, a little... And we've soon forgotten the God of our inheritance who's called us out of darkness into his kingdom. Here's what J.C. Ryle says in a great book. Dads, if you're looking for a book for your, your young men, it's, it's pretty powerful kind of J.C. Ryle, but it's in this book called Thoughts for Young Men. Listen to what he says about sin and what happens. He says, sin once allowed to nestle in your bosom will not be turned out at your bidding. Custom becomes second nature, and its chains are threefold cords not easily broken. And he goes on to say, Habits are like stones rolling downhill. The further they roll, the faster and more ungovernable is their course. Habits, like trees, are strengthened by age. You hear that? Habits, like trees, are strengthened by age. Here's his illustration. A boy may bend an oak when it is young, when it's a sapling, he says. A hundred men cannot root it up when it is a full-grown tree. He's comparing that to habits of sin. He says a child can wade over the the Thames. That's the river in England. Let's say Mississippi, right? Think Mississippi. A child can wade over the Mississippi at its fountainhead. The largest ship in the world can float in it when it gets near the sea. So it is with habits. The older, the stronger. This is a book for young men. The older, the stronger. The longer they have held possession, the harder they will be to cast out. They grow with our growth and strengthen with our strength. Custom is the nurse of sin. Every fresh act of sin lessens fear and remorse, hardens our hearts, blunts the edge of our conscience, and increases our evil inclination. The threat of sin in our lives is real. And if, if, if left on our own, left alone, it grows. Sapling to an oak. At this point, we're really halfway through our text and halfway through the sermon title, The Snare of Sin and the Strong Arm of God. We're talking about snare of sin. We're going to just stop here. We're going to pick it up again next week. I thought we'd get all through, but I think better to divide it. If you want to read all of chapter 17 of, of Joshua for next week, do that. 16 and 17. We're going to be looking at these daughters of Zelophehad. No, Zelophehad. There it is. And also, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the, the plea of the people of Joseph about the Canaanites and their chariots of iron. So we're going to be talking about that next week. So let me just pause here. Just think again as we we kind of draw this towards a close, think again about our inheritance in Christ. Your inheritance. You whom God 
God has called by His grace out of darkness. You're citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. God's chosen you to be His child, to see Him and worship Him. Can you identify with the threats to your own inheritance that sin poses? We know it's guaranteed in the Spirit. Praise God that He is with us. But there are still threats in our daily living to our fellowship with our God. Israel had threats, and they let those threats live among them. This is not a sermon to say, let's all pack up and head to the monastery or to the wilderness, and we'll be fine there. That's not, that's not it, or to flee from the world. Remember Paul? He talks about this, 1 Corinthians 5. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother or sister if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. I think there's two applications for us as we kind of think about this not driving out the Canaanites and our Canaanites and our inheritance. The first one is corporate and the second one is personal. Corporate in our fellowship amongst those who say I'm a follower of Christ. That when we see sinfulness, we don't let it go. We don't say, well, nobody's perfect. And, and there's understanding and there's prayer and there's grace in this. Certainly, the New Testament talks of how to restore in a gentle way. And to do this, it's not you, sinner, they're right there. There's a way. But we're to take sin among us seriously. It's part of the beauty of the body. That we help one another and we say, you probably don't see this, but there's sin in your life. We come together in that to prayerfully consider that difficult conversation to call another brother or sister, not to, not to condemnation, but to repentance, to restore them to the Lord and to the beauty of the inheritance. That's why we set it up. It's not just stop. It's look what you have, and you're squandering. You're back, you're back in the mud pit. You were delivered from there. Why are you there? Look here. But the caution here, and I said second, one is corporate. The, the caution is personally, the caution is before you go out swinging, and let me not recommend swinging, that you check for logs personally in your own heart and lives. You got oak trees building, saplings maybe some, some bigger, to be watchful in our own lives. What is at threat to our inheritance in Christ? What, what little barb, what little snare have I let go? What little sin has crept in so long that it's built up to a tree? We need to call on God who graciously brings an axe. And we look back to Christ. Take this, Lord. Lord, axe, take down this tree. Take this barb out. Take this snare away that I might enjoy the joy of your salvation, the fellowship of you again. So, Lord willing, next week we're going to come back to this. There's more here, I think, dealing with our inheritance. We're not, we're not done with that yet. Living in our God-given inheritance, looking to the anchor of our inheritance. We're going to look at that next week. 
uh, with the daughters of Zelophehad. Let me end with this. Dear Saint, you have a beautiful inheritance in Christ. No enticing sin, no temporal pleasure of this world can compete with Jesus, your God and your Savior. Nothing. Do you have a snare or a barb? Call on God. Fall on on your knees. Ask God for mercy, for cleansing, and then know that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Let's pray together. I'm just going to encourage us in a few minutes we have to pray before we sing response to just in your own heart. Either set aside a time today or right now to say, Lord, this barb I know, this is the one in my heart. It's a sapling right now or it's been a huge tree. Lord, take an axe to it. And Lord, when you take the axe, I fall with my eyes looking square on Jesus Christ, my Savior, who redeemed me. He's already purchased. He already went to the cross. He knew our sins. And let's pray to him and ask for forgiveness. Take a minute to just examine your heart before I pray. tree to be cut down might not look very pretty somebody might confront you today something to bring about may we say Lord bring it, bring the axe bring the pliers take the barb out for your glory you've been listening to Bethany Radio a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.